The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. King Charles across the pond said to be coronated at the start of May, and there are uncertainties about things like who will be invited, Harry and Meghan, for example. There are certainties, though, and one of those is that the event will be full of the things the Brits do well, pomp and ceremony, all the trappings of monarchy and empire. Blind Boy Boat Club is with me now. Blind Boy, you'll be there on the mall with your little Union Jack, I assume? No. (laughs) No. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to the coronation of the English King because... I'd gonna, I, I find it fascinating. I find the pomposity and the ritual of English monarchy utterly fascinating because what it boils down to is it's like how can we how can we do the silliest stuff possible while being as serious as possible? It's like how can I wear the silliest hat and the silliest robe and everyone around me is doing the exact same stuff, but while they're doing it, we treat it as if it's dead serious. And that seems to be how how power is legitimized. It's it's a strange, strange thing that humans do. You see it in you see it in the military, you know, the way they use uh, medals and badges and uniforms and silly costumes. It's like silliness is used as a way to legitimize power. And when everyone else is around going, this is ridiculous, this is silly. These people look silly, but if you treat it with enough seriousness, it seems to usher into existence a framing of reality that legitimizes power. And that then is at the underpinning of what we call imperialism. But I guess what some might say is what you're describing are the the trappings of power. And is it is it that the trappings are what are 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 kind of the physical manifestation of that power or or they're the physical imposition, is it? Or they're the symbolic imposition of that power over us? It's the, it's the symbolic legitimacy and it doesn't make sense. And one thing I'm going to be real fascinated about, fascinated about when it comes to the English King's coronation is one of my favourite books of all time was written in 1188 and it's called Topographia Hibernica. And it was written by a Norman monk from Wales called Gerald of Wales. And what this book is, is when the Normans invaded Ireland in the late 10 hundreds, they needed an excuse to, like the Normans were the Brits before the Brits effectively. They were the modern British Empire, comes from the Normans, 1066, William the Conqueror. When Britain was invading Ireland for the first time, they needed an excuse to do it. Because they were Christian. So you couldn't just invade another Christian country. Mm. Where's our excuse? How do we invade this Christian country? So this monk called Gerald of Wales came to Ireland in, in 1188 and wrote a book called Topographia Hibernica that loosely translates to the land of Ireland. And what it is, is like it's the world's first fake news or tabloid. Like, do you remember when the West invaded Iraq in 2003 oh, yeah. and there was all this the talk dossiers. of double- WMDs and and all this information came out about we must invade Iraq because we have information about weapons of mass destruction. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, sorry, we were wrong about that. We might even have made it up. Well, like England did that with Ireland in 1188. They wrote this 
I call it a wonderful book because it's hilarious. It's really funny. This monk was like trying to think of the most ridiculous things that he could say about Ireland to show how savage we were and to show how uncivilized we were and to show how we had perverted Christianity so that England could have an excuse to invade. And if you look at how the, the coronation of Irish kings was described at the time, you then, because the current uh, British coronation ceremony, which your man Charles is going to do next year, the roots of that happen around the time of the Norman invasion in England. So around this time, this book was written by Gerald of Wales. Yeah. And Gerald of Wales came to Ireland and he described the Irish kingship ritual, how Irish kings were made kings. And he said that Irish kings used to chop up a horse. Then a lot of men would climb into a giant bath of hot water with horse pieces in it. And they would swim around in horse soup and then eat the soup, eat the horse soup. And Gerald also said that the king of Limerick had a girlfriend and one half of her had a beard like a man. And then the <laughs> other half of her was like a woman. And then he said about the women of Ireland used to turn into hares like rabbits at any point, And they would chase other women around and suckle milk from their breasts. And Basically, what you see with this is the English were using this as an excuse to justify Ireland by mm. saying that how we coronate our kings is savage and animal like. We don't coronate kingship with God. We coronate kingship with nature, now, which was seen as pagan and savage. So if you look yeah. at King Charles's coronation, everything is removed completely from nature and it has the artifice of pomp and pomposity and silliness and he, they took that from how the Pope used to become a Pope that's where the English well, that, that's, comes from that, that, that isn't because I was what I was about to say is what what Gerald of Wales was doing I mean this that I know obviously in our context the relevance is England and what it allowed England mm -hmm. to do in this country but I mean that was the Gregorian revolution reaching mm -hmm. this country, wasn't it? I mean, that was the, the first, that was the imposition of a hierarchical and, and structured church. Uh, and we saw it with uh, crusades and crusades in southern yeah. France against Cathars, and we see it in crusades in other parts of the world. And, and that, that was its manifestation here, wasn't it? Because everywhere, the church was kind of hodgepodge, like Christianity. It was, and, and it was infused you know with local custom and then Gerald of Wales, as as part of that propaganda machine to impose this kind of, this uniform structure, writes but this. But that breaks my heart, Kieran. Like, because the thing is, during the Middle Ages, which is, we'll say, the 5th century up until the 1100s, right? Ireland had its own version of Christianity. We were separate as this little island on the west of Europe, while like countries like England... And parts of Europe, that was the Roman Empire collapsing. Ireland had developed a type of Christianity that was a nice blend between the teachings of Jesus Christ and then our own kind of, I don't want to use the word, our own indigenous mythology. Yeah. And Irish Christianity at that time was very fluid and it was quite fun. Like we had St. Bridget's Day a couple, a couple of weeks back. St. Bridget was a real person. She was uh, a missionary who founded a missionary in Kildare. But before St. Bridget, there was the goddess Bridget, who was like more than a couple of thousand years old. 
and we comfortably mixed the wonderful playfulness and irrationality and storytelling of Irish mythology, and we allowed that to exist alongside Christian stories. And then when the Normans in England heard this, they basically said, the Irish are doing Christianity wrong, they're doing it wrong, and they went and told the Pope, Adrian, who was an English Pope at the time, and that's how they got their excuse to come in and reform our church. And I find a lot of, I love old Irish Christianity. I love the stories of St. Bridget or the stories of Brendan the Navigator, where he goes off on a, he goes off onto a ship and gives communion wafer to a whale. It's ridiculous. It's funny. It's hilarious. There's a lot more, there's a lot more meaning mm. and worth, and I can take a lot more from those stories than the kind of more catechism-based Christianity that can be on that. So if we can draw then a, a kind of a fairly direct line between um, the, the, the manifestations and the symbols of power that were, say, imposed on this island then, 1188 onwards, and what happens in May with the coronation of the king. The, the other aspect of the coronation is empire and a celebration of yeah. empire. Um, and that empire no longer exists, but it, like its it, its historical presence will be infused in the day, won't it? One hundred percent. And this is like what I'm describing there about the coronation being silly and fun. Like that's one side of it, but then the very serious other side of that blade is that this ridiculous system of legitimacy also justifies in the the terrorism of colonialism, and. I say that a lot on my podcast. I refer to colonizing as terrorism because that's what it is. It's it's one powerful country going to another country and deciding you don't have any value as a human being. So we're going to kill everyone and take your resources for our country. And I consider that to be terrorism. And that's the problem with this. The pomposity of monarchy is the theatrical underpinning of the terrorism of colonialism. Now, uh, defenders of of that history. You know what they say and you, you're well uh, versed and rehearsed in this argument. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're kind of judging people in the past by the mores of today and really they, they, they say as well, really what you're criticising the Brits for is actually just being terribly good at what everybody else was up to at the time. You know, the Portuguese and Spanish, they're the ones who started Oh, that's it, true, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, just, we came along afterwards with our Navy and our banking system and by God, they worked. Yeah, and that's, I mean, yeah, they were all doing it. This was the nature of, of the imperial age. But when I see, we'll say, English people asking us to respect that theatrics, I, I when I also see at the same time that, like, recently, like, with, with, with Soldier F and all of the collusion between the British state with uh, terrorist forces up in the, the north of Ireland... They were doing some kind of nasty shit. Oh, I shouldn't curse. They were doing nasty things using the forces of the British state and imperialism to justify that. So I don't like that type of stuff. Mm. I mean, I, I asked right at the outset if you were going to be on the mall waving your Union Jack. Maybe we should go and stand on the mall and just wear silly hats. <laughs> is The question, I suppose, is, is, is there a way to... Is there a way for the British people to enjoy it as a silly thing and then detach from that? Do you know, there's not really, because a lot of the objects that are used in the coronation, like 
the, like the king will have a diamond on his crown and then like people down in South Africa will be like, actually, that diamond was stolen from us. That's ours. And loads of people died trying to get it. So there's quite a lot of blood spilled and quite a lot of heartache and quite a lot of real heart, nation's heart, but what you will see in that coronation ceremony. Mm. I guess that the diamond is in a way the straightforward one. I mean, were you to extract all of the wealth uh, from uh, London that was itself extracted from empire? I mean, I, I mean, it's just... Well, that's it's, one it's of the strange things, I guess. Like I get, I love walking around London. Oh, I love great. Walk, especially the old parts, because when you walk around the nice part of London, it's the whole city is a museum. Like it's yeah. gorgeous. And I look at these wonderful buildings and I go to the British Museum and I'm here as, a, as an estate, as someone who adores art and architecture. And then I look at it and I go, this wouldn't exist without extreme suffering from the countries that were colonized by this. And within me, then that creates... Um, a cognitive dissonance. Well, listen, as I said, uh, it's happening at the end of May. It's it's great to have a, an interesting conversation about it because I do suspect a lot of the conversations come May will be about Harry and Meghan and whether they are going or not. So listen, Blind Boy, always a pleasure. Thanks a million for speaking to us. Thank you, Kieran. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.